Hello and welcome back to Locked On Socks. My name is Herb Lawrence. Alongside, as always, is Chris Tannehill. Episode number 43, Chris. 43, not one of the uh, more prestigious numbers. So you, certainly no one comes to mind when you think 43. I think the first person that pops into my head is uh, Damaso Marte, member of the 05 championship team. And that was his last year with the Sox, I think. And, you know, one of the prominent left-handed relievers uh, in, that, in that brief time span with the White Sox. Um, uh, there are some notable ones in here, Herbie, for number 43. What do you got for me? Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable, low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto. The guy I think about is my namesake, Herbert Perry, the milkman. Oh, the milkman. Mercy. Mercy. I'll tell you what. <laughs> in I mean, stereo. I mean, he is the milkman, and I love milk, and I have a strong stomach. Indeed you do, That's yeah. That's it to Joe Ostrowski. Uh, but I think, if we're being real, a guy that I've only heard about, never saw, of course, because he's much older than I am, and um, I would say that the episode, I don't know if, how you feel about this, is has to be Gary Peters. That's a good call there. It's someone you hear a lot about, certainly, when you talk about White Sox lore. Um, yeah, I have no objection to, to Gary Peters. Um, but, of course, you know, if, if you're going to sort of talk about 43s, I don't want to close the book right there. I mean, there's there's so many more great options we, we could peruse through here when you're talking about the great number 43. It's funny. You're a Bob Zubtick guy. Of course, yeah. Also, another great Bob, Bob James, apparently. Uh, when he wasn't recording the Nautilus, he was on the White Sox from 85 to 87. Um, Never trust a guy with two first names. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, Jeff Nelson, I forgot, was uh, was a White Sox in, in 2006. And how ironic that, of course... He's on the White Sox the first year that Frank Thomas is off the White Sox. And, and Frank Thomas often says that Jeff Nelson was the one that gave him the most fits when he was in the batter's box. So I had for, totally forgotten about the 2006 Jeff Nelson era of White Sox baseball. But yeah, well, I think well, we can go Gary Peters. That, that's, a, that's a good call. So episode 43, and we're finally back at it again here. And there's been a lot going on this week. And sort of been playing catch up here with a lot of things we want to get to. We want to thank everyone for your response on episode 42. And hopefully the whole getting a statue for Root Foster thing gains a little bit of momentum. We're not doing it in a self-serving way. You know, I don't even care if we get credit if it happens. I just would like to see it happen at the end of the day. So thanks for everyone for your positive responses about that episode. But right off the bat here, the White Sox have the 
the bulk of their roster sets. But before we get to that, there are some notable dates for the MLB calendar this year. Thursday, July 23rd, as you may or may not know, is opening night. It is going to be a night game, primetime television. It's going to be the world champion, defending champion, Nationals. Raining. Exactly. Against Garrett Cole and the New York Yankees. Now, there will be no fans uh, in attendance for that game, they've already said. So I hope we can get there. It's July 23rd just seems so far away, but I'm just, I, I keep picturing that night in my head watching uh, two solid teams go at it, and, and hopefully Garrett Cole gets to take the bump for the Yankees and we get to finally see him. It's just, we got to get through this week, Tanny, and then next week. That's it. And then the season will be here the week after that. It's so quick. So quick. I mean, we've already seen the White Sox report to camp, the Cubs report to camp, and most teams report to camp. And it's so, so great to have them in camp and knowing that baseball is only three weeks away. It does seem like a, a far way away, but we've mustered through almost four months of nothingness. And, yeah, baseball is coming. Now, even though I'm not thrilled because of the coronavirus cases and so many players have opted out, and that's sad to see, but I think – it is the right call on some of these players' uh, decisions to make between you know the base, the game they love, and the family, of course, they love. If you have a chance, go to Ian Desmond's Instagram, and he breaks down his decision to not play this year. It's not only COVID related; it's it's personal. It's it has to do with his family, just being there for his his wife and kids in in these times, and also gives a little history and backstory to his you know, origins of getting into the game of baseball in Sarasota, Florida, and, and what that town and what, what those baseball leagues meant to him and, and how he plans on, on giving back to that community. Definitely check it out uh, if you have time. Uh, more dates to, to remember. The trade deadline this year, usually July 31st, August 1st. Today, this, this year, it's going to be August 31st. So this is going to be a weird trade deadline, I think, for a lot of teams. With the financial situation of a lot of teams, they're going to have to get creative. And I don't know if it if it's going to mean teams are going to be more prone to pull the trigger. They definitely are going to know earlier than later if their if their season's done with. Like if you if you come out of the gate like you know two and eight something like that, I think you'd have a team that's sort of wasn't really in contention anyway. They're going to pull the trigger a lot faster and sort of maybe set themselves up financially for 2021 um but also you go on the flip side of that you know depending on who picks up what salaries i think you might see a team be aggressive like you know what this might be our best chance to win one you know given the the climate given if we're if we've got free agents leaving at the end of the year this may be our best opportunity so we're going to be buyers so it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out the trade deadline worst worst case scenario for the white Sox, they are one of those teams that are two and eight or young young team that doesn't you know come out of the gates firing they could get rid of and try to recruit some big-time prospects for a guy like Colome. If they, you know, this is last year in this deal, and they're seeing that they're not going forward, there will be a lot more teams in competition for these playoff spots. So a lot more teams battling against each other, going over each other to try to get Colome on their team because – they see him as the last piece for their playoff push, and that would be the only positive of a bad start for the White Sox. They can retool on the fly and go back to 2021 with a full squad and then also some prospects in their pocket that didn't have when they started this year. 
Like Herbie already trading our guy Colome. This <laughs> season not even started yet. You wanted you're trying to trade him. Uh, you got me thinking like that. So I'm, you think so you think he'll bounce back? So he's good enough. Everyone thinks he's gonna regress. So I mean, he didn't really have a great year last year. He, he had a lot of good saves and yeah. he converted them, but his uh, peripherals were not great. So I want him to have a great year so he can be traded away. If we're not competing, there's there's no reason to have a closer on a non-competing team. We've seen this with Sergio Santos before and Oof. other guys. Get rid of these closers while you can, while people value them at the time that they do value them. I don't care about peripherals. I don't care about BABIP. I don't care about XFIP. There's only one stat that matters, Herb, the one that's in the left-hand column. Like column A, as you like to say, the win column. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what, what happens there. But it will be interesting to see if the Sox will be. It, it'll be more interesting to me if if they're buyers, if they're willing to take on salary, because we haven't really heard, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf come out in similar fashion to how some of the other owners, like Tom Ricketts, have come out and and cried poor basically, and how they're so reliant on on fans being in attendance for for their revenue. We haven't really heard much from the Reinsdorf camp. Everyone thinks they they know where he stands on it, but I will be I will be pleasantly surprised if, if they take on salary at the deadline. But that's also that's a good thing for the Sox. That means that they're right there with the Twins. So we'll have to wait and see how that will plays out, of course. Or the or the uh, Royals. Um, oh God, we were but, talking about the Royals today. I, I I was pleased to find out that they don't have Billy Hamilton anymore. You said he has moved on. He he a can free agent right now, I believe. Okay, I would sign him just so the Royals can't steal a win or two over the course of the 2020 championship season. That'd be great. I mean, we already have guys who can run the bases who are designated extra inning guy, like Adam Engel will be that guy, the man of steel. But to well, get Billy Hamilton on the team. I'll be all for it. To get any guy on the team that can contribute to a White Sox win, I'm in for. And this is the year to do it. It's the experiment year. And without any clubhouse, it's time to go out and get some players that maybe you think can help your team out. I just thought that this is going to be this is going to be the summer of Billy Hamilton. Here's a guy who could still run. He doesn't have to report to anyone's camp. He can just chill in the cut and sit at home, stay fast, which is not going to be a problem for him. Just don't worry about it. Just don't get slower. And he can sort of just pick and choose where he wants to go because of this whole extra inning dumbass guy on second base. Not 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 not, not the guy on second base is a dumbass, but the rule is dumb. Like because of that rule, guys like you know speed merchants like him are going to be able to pick and choose like where they want to go because they're going to be in commodity they always speed's always a commodity in this game but especially in 2020 with this new rule billy hamilton just gonna he could he could sit out as long as he wants to like he can i'm sure he's he's made enough money in his career if he wanted to like sit out until the playoff eligibility date which is september 15th he could just you know Sit there and, and, and pick the best pick landing the, spot. Yeah, yeah, and just get try to get a ring. And, yeah, I think Billy Hamilton, uh, uh, Terrence Gore, guys like that would be yep. very valuable. Uh, Tony Kemp, who I think now is an Oakland A, uh, old school white Willie Bloomquist. <laughs> Still can get a hit off the White Sox, I assure you. Very, very <laughs> underrated, uh, very underrated. Uh, uh, Reggie Cleveland All-Star, as Brendan McCaffrey would say. <laughs> so I mentioned September 15th. Uh, my wedding anniversary is the uh, playoff eligibility deadline, which means the deadline applies to any free agent who is eligible to sign throughout the season. With COVID-19 positive tests expected to occur, 
Teams will not only turn to their taxi squad of eligible players, but could also see if there are any unsigned veterans looking for a chance. For these players to be eligible for postseason play, they must sign with the team by September 15th. The playoff eligibility deadline has no bearing on minor leaguers who have not been called up. Uh, end of the season, if we get there, September 27th. And the playoffs, the, the biggest date of them all, a big old fat TBD. Um, yeah, you know why? It's because it's 60 games and there's 10 teams combat- battling for that. With so many little games, you know how we always have these games, 163 Games like the Cubs had a couple of years ago against the Rockies to get into to be the wild card or the Cubs to be the the division winner. And then they had to play a game versus the Brewers the next day. We're going to have a lot of those games. We're going to have division tiebreakers. We're going to have uh, wild card tiebreakers. I think that's going to go on for three to four days before we even get to the actual playoffs. And of course, uh, President Trump referred to him as Tony Fauci. Uh, he has nothing to do with uh, with baseball, the president says, <laughs> or football. Uh, he's, he advised uh, initially that baseball should not be playing until October. He eventually walked that back a little bit. We'll have to wait and see how that one shakes out as well. Again, there's there's so many uncertain things here. Um, another date to remember, um, and I don't know if there are any White Sox eligible, uh, but the Hall of Fame announcement date has been pushed back. Um Paul Konerko, not eligible, right? He he was one and done on the ballot, so it's not something you'll be waiting for for him. Is Burley, uh, has it been five years for Burley yet? Is he up for consideration for the Hall of Fame in 2020? This might be his fifth year out. Okay. So I think he won't, you know, of course, won't make it the first year, but I think he has an outside chance of being eventually a guy that gets voted in by his peers or the the Reinsdorf uh, committee that he... That he got Harold Baines in. Let's see, Burley's last year was 2015. So yeah, this year would be the year that he'll be eligible for induction into the Hall of Fame. But his numbers, surprisingly, are Hall of Fame adjacent. They're not, yeah. you know, Hall of Fame uh, uh, like even close, like to an average guy. But if you you make an argument for this guy like Jack Morris, you can make an argument for Mark Burley. And even though they Jack Morris got in more for his battling in uh, game sevens, Burley's numbers in the regular season are comparable. Yeah, and one of the things I think that it's going to age very favorably, guys like Burley, guys like John Lester, just guys who were well-respected by their peers and, and writers alike and, and guys who've got accolades, no-hitters, Perfect game, World, World Series, all-star appearances, started all-star games. So uh, so here it is. Mark Burley will be a f- his first year on the ballot. Some other notable names, Tim Hudson. Nope. Torrey Hunter. No. Dan Heron. No. Barry Zito. No. Aramis Ramirez. No. Shane Victorino. No. Oh, boy, it's going to be not a great year for the Hall of Fame. Uh, Grady Sizemore, who, by the way, I loved watching Grady Sizemore play. Like, the fact that his career was so short – it's just is it's a travesty because he was one of my favorite players to watch, even though I hated the Indians at the time. Grady Sizemore, though, no, no, sorry. Uh, White Sox great Alex Rios up for it. Who I, I, I if you would have taken his career against the White Sox only, definite there's, Hall of Famer, first ballot, no question about it. There's no player the White Sox fans hate more that played for their team than Alex Rios. AJ <laughs> Burnett. No, Nick Swisher. No, I don't even know if it's worth continuing to to go on here. But oh, the uh, the ornery Australian Grant Balfour oh, also on the fuck list. Fuck that guy. 
Ah, no. I could just say that, Abby. Hey. Oh, Aldo, Aldo Cabrera, get in the box. I'm going to strike you out. I'm going to give up a home run to Jose Abreu in his rookie year. Great Grand Slam. Excellent. That's right. All right, so we'll get we'll get to the Hall of Fame stuff later, but the, the Hall of Fame uh, ballot announcement it will be November 16th. If, if if all goes well and we're like, hey, oh, cool, Hall of Fame ballot. Okay, let's go. I have a feeling we won't give a shit about the Hall of Fame ballot come November 16th, but it's going to be a slow class, uh, not, not a great class for Hall of Famers in 2021. Just to end off of the Mark Burley thing, I don't know how many pitchers have done this, but Mark Burley has faced the minimum three times in his career. Of course, the perfect game, the Texas Rangers no-hitter, mm-hmm. and then one start versus Cleveland when he faced that, 27 yeah. uh, batters. So, yeah, if that's not a huge thing. He got four gold gloves. The man is, you know, with the stuff that Mark Burley brought to the table, I think he has the most storied career. 38th round in the draft. He was a out of a community college. He pretty much pitched the same year he got drafted on that 2000 team who had went to the playoffs, the kids can play team, anchored that staff of the 2005 team. He's, you know, all those years of having 200 innings, having a bunch of starts and at least 10 wins. Mark Burley is a consummate professional, and I know we're biased as White Sox fans. One of our that's favorite not, players. That's not true as I look at the Mark Burley bobblehead next to my control board here. That's not true. That's I, <laughs> I don't know if there's a, a more um, likable White Sox player of all time. Like if you ask White Sox fans, who is your your favorite guy on the White Sox in the history you've been watching? I would say Mark Burley. He's a fun-loving guy. He got the job done for the team and. I think, you know, Paul Konerko is also a guy that people would say Frank is a little bit more ornery. Yeah. People would say Tommy, but I don't consider Tommy a White Sox. He had a lot of great moments and milestones. He's a, a windy, even though they booed him. Yeah, so, you know, we'll, we'll 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 table this and we'll circle back around to it hopefully in November as as Mark Burley as we make the case for him uh, to be in the Hall of Fame. But you're, you're going to hear a lot about that, a lot of momentum towards that sort of as it approaches. But the White Sox, they've got their – Roster, at least the early formation of their roster, they announced this week. Let's start with the pitchers. There's a lot of them here. They've got 44 guys on the entire roster right now. Of course, they they said Rick Hahn said that they rather uh, leave it a little light. That way, they can add later on as opposed to remove. So I don't know when you'll see them sort of add more names to this list. Hopefully, we don't. Hopefully, this this is the list, and we're not clamoring for other guys to be a part of it. But here's here's the pitching staff in alphabetical order. Drew Anderson, Aaron Bummer, Ooh. Dylan Cease, Steve Ciszek, Alex Colomay, my guy Jimmy Cordero. I'm looking forward that that I'm looking forward to seeing him with the, with the one arm swag going on where he rolls the sleeve up. That's show one off of the guns. one of the things. Yeah, a free admission to the gun show. I, I miss that about baseball. Ross Detweiler, mm. I forgot was still a thing. Was still on the White Sox. Terrible. Um, Jace Fry. Skip my guy. Oh, hey. sorry, Dane Dunning. Sorry about that. Yeah, Dane Dunning. Uh, one of the, I don't want to say surprises, but certainly one of those names you look at and you're like, oh, okay, here we go. Think This is real now. Dane Dunning on the roster. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he most think he was too hurt maybe to play this year, but he came off with Tommy John just like Rodon and, and uh, Kopech. So he, he was looks, right right after Rodon, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And so he's uh, allegedly, uh, allegedly ready to play, ready to pitch. So 
being on this summer camp roster makes me feel good about his uh, prospects because I think he's very underrated. His uh, minor league stats, if you go and look at him, the man, the man knows how to pitch. He doesn't have the high-velocity fastball or the stuff that the others come with, but the man knows how to pitch. He knows how to get batters out. Uh, after Dane Dunning, Jace Fry, they're going to need uh, a nice start from him. He's going to have to put it together here. He definitely has the stuff, but he's got to put it all together in a shortened season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, bullpens are going to be a huge part of this. As with any World Series winner, you know, there's guys with career years all over the roster. But bullpen, I think, is by far the, the number one question mark for every team every year because you just don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to have guys that are elite level that underperform uh, guys that you had no expectations from overperforming. It's, it's one of the many things that can decide who is hoisting that World Series trophy at the end of the year. Uh, Carson Fulmer, who had a nice spring and was he had some momentum going towards the end of spring. He, had, he stacked a few good outings together, uh, is on the roster as well. Tehran Guerrero, Lucas Giolito, Gio Gonzalez, Ian Hamilton, Kelvin Herrera, Cody Hoyer, Tyler Johnson, Dallas Keuchel. Said that name wrong. Wow. How, what is it? C- Cody Hoyer. Oh, thanks. Hoyer. I always appreciate that yes. <laughs> correction. Um, Michael Kopech, Jimmy Lambert, another name, sort of in the in the category of Dane Dunning. We're like, okay, all right, let's, maybe we get to see something from one of these young prospect, one of these highly touted arms uh, on the roster. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez, Evan Marshall, Carlos Rodon, and Jose Ruiz. So there's your pitching staff. Not a Whole lot of surprises there. I, I would say one surprise possibly, and maybe he will get added later, uh, depending on circumstances. But the number one pick, Garrett Crochet, uh, missing from that iteration of the roster, and I think that would be something interesting if you get a guy like Crochet, because you know, with they officially announced today that minor league season has been canceled. So that's certainly a gut punch to anyone who loves the game and anyone. You know, living, working in those towns, any player that would that would have been able to uh, have a job by playing in any of those teams. But you have a unique situation with guys like Garrett Crochet where they're going to have nowhere to play. So just for the sake of development, you'd think you, you keep them close by, keep them at arm's length so you can keep your eyes on them and, and maybe even sort of, you know, steel sharpen steel sort of situation where you keep them on the taxi squad and they're, and they're playing against legit competition every day, you know, that that's as good a development as any. What do you think about Garrett Crochet possibly finding his way on the roster? I'm all for it. And like a usual year, you wouldn't want a pitcher who's pitched a whole college season and then come in to the majors that same year because of all that innings on his, on his arm. But this year he's very, he very seldomly pitched because of, uh, COVID-19, the college season was sh- cut short at Tennessee, so his arm's pretty fresh. And like you were saying, you want the development to continue, and sitting out for a full year would be not good for his development. You would have to start from square one next year. Like uh, the Tigers have done with their number one pick, Sp- Spencer Torkelson, they put him on on their 60-man roster. I think it's good to have your number one pick uh, in your draft on that roster just so that player can get, even if it's a taxi squad, can see what Major League Camp is about, can see what this level is about. And if he does well enough, put him on the Major League staff. As you said, steel sharpens steel, and we're going to eventually need the kid. And if it doesn't cost the White Sox, and I know hopefully after the 2021 year we can get rid of service time games, but this is what they think of. 
service time it doesn't count as a year if it doesn't i don't know if it i don't know if they've come clearly with that if it doesn't count as a year as his service time and his clock starting there's no reason not to have garrett crochet on the active roster it's going to be 30 at the beginning then paired down to 28 and then eventually to 26 when at the end of the year so you already have two good lefty relievers in the bullpen and fry and of course aaron bummer a guy who could throw 100 plus and use less pitches uh as i think he they want him to be more of a starter eventually but this year as a guy coming off the bench for three batters if it's lefties righties whatever I'm in for experimenting with Garrett Crochet this year. When I look at the pitching staff, I just think the, at least the starting rotation, it's one of the deepest I can remember in recent memory when you're talking about the White Sox. You know, sometimes over the course of a rebuild, you blink and and months go by, you know, but other times it feels like the rebuild is moving along at a real snail's pace and you're just like, it's grueling and it, it's like baseball. Uh, like Theo Epstein said, baseball is de- designed to torture you. It feels like that sometimes, but when you look at the staff, especially with, with Rodon and Kopech in it, and we talked about your plans for Kopech a, a few episodes back, but it's a pretty deep starting rotation, and they have a lot of options to play with. They can give guys rest. You know, I, I, this is an, an unprecedented situation here with a pitching staff where you don't know if, if maybe these guys they, they've never had this before with their arms and their their programs, and you would think just common sense would say, oh, less wear and tear on the arm might be good, but you you know maybe guys suffering for a little little atrophy, you know what I mean, like just you know mm-hmm. lack of work sort of thing. I know a guy like Steve Ciszek, probably totally fine <laughs> with not having to pitch as much, mm-hmm. um, but then you worry about because every game is so magnified and intensified that you know you worry about guys getting ridden into the ground faster because of the long inactivity and then all of a sudden you're you're going you know three day three or four days a week you know so that's one of the things that we just don't know uh, about the season and certainly one of those things to keep an eye on but it definitely helps to have lots of talent lots of young talent and lots of guys that are just coming off of surgery <laughs> so and you brought up the name earlier while we were talking um, well, we brought up Matt Latos. That yeah. guy started games. And the other guy, Hector Noese. That guy started games for the White Sox. He started, a lot of them. He started a home opener, the worst home opener ever. That was that year where I think it was uh, 2015 for the Sox where they, they just had a horrendous start. I think they got swept by the Royals, uh, as was the style at the time. And then they come home to the Twins, and I think they lost two or three to the Twins. And there was Hector Noesi starting a home opener for the White Sox. I remember, yeah, because it was the last year we had them on the score. And I remember I was up in the booth with Ranji saying, here we are, Ranji. Hector Noesi starting a home opener for us. <laughs> like, are you going to miss the Sox at all? Oh, I know, Benny. Um, yeah, so... I mean, I think some people would take a uh, umbrage with you there with the 1991 home opener, where it was like 16 to one. The top I thing. know, but at least you had new shit to look at. Like he was like, "Hey, look at all this gray. <laughs> <laughs> look at this big concrete piece of." I like the old place. Let's go back to old Kaminsky. Kaminsky. I still call it Kaminsky. Like, yeah, it's 1991. That's what it's called. <laughs> um, so infielders: Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson. Chesler Cuthbert, <laughs> former Royal. That we, we spoke about this a couple episodes ago about White Sox collecting Royals. Um, it's this is an inter- interesting one. Unless they just, in case you need a guy who can give you 
a professional at bat. Um, you know, he was a guy that, that spent most of his time kicking around Charlotte last year, former Royal. That's an interesting one to have on the roster, but it kind of goes to show you the lack of, of infield depth. I mean, it's it, all the talent is here already pretty much, you know, you're talking about your magicals who's on the list here as well, but uh, Edwin Encarnacion, Leori Garcia, Nick Madrigal, Danny Mendick, Johan Moncada, Andrew Romine, and another Andrew. It's a very interesting one. Probably the most interesting name on this list, in my opinion. Andrew Vaughn is on the list of, of the White Sox roster. And I hope it doesn't get to this point where you have injuries or, God forbid, COVID-19 strikes in your camp. But if we're in a position where Andrew Vaughn is getting professional big league at bats in games of consequence, I don't know how I'll feel about that. I don't know if I'll just be happy they're playing. I don't know if I'll be excited because I hadn't seen enough of him. You know, I liked what he saw, what I saw of him in spring training. Like he's got a great swing, and people said as soon as he was drafted out of college, like this guy could play now. He could hit now mm-hmm. uh, in in the majors. So that's an interesting name to me. And you know you get a little bit excited because you know that's 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 a big name prospect right there, who could find himself thwarted in a position where the White Sox are relying on him to win games of consequence in this shortened season. Uh, you got any thoughts here about Andrew Vaughn possibly getting some getting some love, getting some uh, some tick in this year's season? Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get $10 off your first order. Yeah, if Andrew Vaughn's playing for the White Sox, that means that there's a lot of injuries. Not just to Jose Abreu, probably to Edwin Encarnacion. Because, and his parrots, his parrot too. Yeah, so those are the guys who are in front of him to play first base on uh, an everyday basis. So if he's playing and for every for everyday purposes, that means those two got hurt, which is not a good thing. I know I crap on Jose Abreu and his subpar last couple years, and I know people go wild about runs batted in, which is a team-generated uh, stat there. But if he's gone, he's a veteran. He's a player that you know players trust on the field. And if Andrew Vaughn's playing, you know he's a rookie. He's he showed out a little bit in spring training. The little we saw about him, but I don't know if he's ready necessarily for the big league grind. He, as you said, is hitter ready. I think that was the same rep on Tim Anderson. His bat will play initially. He'll like he'll it'll work. There's no doubt about that. I think the kid eventually will be a 300 hitter and maybe somewhere in 25 home runs, but I'm not sure about his glove. I don't know if that will actually make him a liability. Jose Abreu is not that great of a first baseman, but if his bat is 325 eventually, which I don't think it will be in the first couple years, I'm in for him playing first base even if it's poor. I think we can argue about RBIs in another episode. I think I will go back and forth with you on that because uh, I feel like some guys are just – they're better run producers than other guys are when those guys are on base. I think some guys do thrive under that. But we'll get to that uh, in another episode. But uh, circling back to Vaughn, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, the competition too is going to play a part in this because you have to assume that other teams are going to have their bouts with injuries and, God forbid, the Rona. So if he's facing talent – that he would be facing in, in, in double or triple A anyway. I mean, you know, what's the big deal? I mean, especially if he's only – you're not out there – we're not running a school here, kid, as Bolly Walnuts would say. You're not out there having having Andrew Vaughn out there trying to learn how to play first base at the big league level. But if he can get just strictly at-bats against quality pitching, 
you know, I, I don't see anything wrong with, with, with putting him out there. So we'll, we'll have to see how that one shakes out too. But I, I have no problem with Andrew Vaughn getting some at-bats because that's the only way that you'll improve that tool is by facing real-life competition. And the fact is there is none unless, you know, you're on the taxi squad and who knows who's going to be on that pitching to you. So I'm all in favor. God forbid that happens and he's put in that situation. But there could be worse things, I think, for the White Sox and him getting some big league at-bats. Uh, and finally to the outfield. Luis Basabe, Nicky Delmonico, Adam Engel, Eloy Jimenez, Nomar Mazzara, and Luis Robert. So not a lot of outfield depth here, not a lot of athleticism in the outfield for the White Sox. Um, I do like that Basabe's on that. I think there's a no-brainer. He, he can certainly go out and get it there in center field and maybe give you, uh, you know, pinch run for you late in the game, defensive replacement late in the game if, if you've got some injury issues. So I, I like that, and I'm just I'm a Basabe fan. I'm looking forward to seeing him play every day. I don't, he's not quite ready yet, but this season's going to force a, a lot of guys into situations that they wouldn't have been in otherwise. So that's something to look forward to, I think. Uh, but, yeah, this the outfield's pretty much set. Uh, someone on the outside looking in, someone like Blake Rutherford, who we've talked about. Yep. A lot. Uh, you'd have to think that maybe he's going to be one of those guys on that taxi squad. They just don't have to announce it, but he's on the outside looking in. Uh, someone like Luis Gonzalez, maybe on the outside looking in. Miker Adolfo. Miker, yeah. Um, I don't even know if Dal- Daniel Palco's still within with the team, but he'll be a great guy to have on a taxi squad. Well, that's a guy. I think I think they they released him, but that's a guy I wouldn't be opposed to them. Saying, hey, why don't you come on back and, and be on the taxi squad if you've got no other offers kicking around for you, you know? So I mean, he's played major league games. He's had minimal success in the major leagues his first year with the White Sox, and then can't get the any table. worse than last year. Oh, <laughs> just horrendous oh, year. Just terrible. So you know, and also, I mean, I don't know if we discussed it, but our catchers I and mean, their catchers are oh, very I, valuable. Ah, uh, catchers don't mean anything. They're they're going with robot catchers anyway. <laughs> did I not have catchers on my list here? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I did. I don't think I. I, mean, I don't care. Oh, here we go. Okay, Zach Collins, Yasmani Grandal, James McCann, and Irmin Mathedis. Yes, that's right. Guy. How could I forget? I we, mean, we got a whole thing, a whole like a uh, thing on your board for Yermin Mercedes. That's right, we do. I'm on a mission for dime pieces and sexy ladies. Allow me to introduce you to my Yermin Mercedes. <laughs> so I'm looking forward. Like that is the perfect guy to have. Just hanging around down the street, whether it's going to be, you know, at Curtis Granderson Field, just like, hey, man, can you come on over? I'll be over in five minutes. I'll be right over. I'll bring my bat with me. Uh, so, yeah, he doesn't need a glove. No catcher's glove, no first baseman's glove. Just bring your bat, brother. Yeah. So, I like how they listed him as, as a catcher. I don't think you'll be seeing him catching in games. Then you really got problems if if your Mercedes is in there catching for you. I think he'll be a DH exclusively, especially in a shortened season like that. But, um, but we talked about one of the storylines when back when there was a spring training. But big year for Zach Collins. What are they going to do with them? Uh, I don't know. What the, you definitely in a short season like this. I don't. There was already a, a log jam with the DHs and Grandal and McCann, mm-hmm. and I really don't know what you do with, with Zach Collins at, at this point and how he fits in a 60-game season. Do you have any ideas or thoughts how they can get him in there? No, he's he's stuck where he's blocked because, you're, I mean, Yasmani Grandal is going to find a four-year four deal, the largest deal in White Sox history, so he's not going to be playing catcher. And the White Sox have Jose Abreu on for a multi-year deal, so he's not going to be playing first base. And Edwin Encarnacion's a DH for this year, 
And then looking forward, it looks like Aloy Jimenez eventually will be the DH going forward. So he's not going to be that position and he can't play any other position. So he's not triple A anymore. He's hit past triple A. There's got to be some plan to move him along. And this year won't be the year to do it because you can't showcase him on the White Sox this year at all. I don't think he can get any playing time on the team. He should be on the taxi squad just doing whatever he can to get his game better. But next year, put him in AAA and let him have all the at-bats and let somebody who really needs a catcher, I don't know if Pittsburgh still needs a catcher, whatever, get him onto another team. He deserves it because he's performed well for the White Sox and they just have no place to put him. So I would say free Zach Collins, free Zach Collins, free Zach Collins. <laughs> yeah, I would say it would be a good year for him to really make sure that we know whether or not you can or cannot catch a major league ball game at a consistent basis. So hopefully that playing against some good competition on the taxi squad, hopefully that'll keep his game sharp. But it's one of the many possible you know, repercussions of, of a season like this is you lose an entire year of development. They can't play minor league ball. Uh, they're not getting big league at bats, so they're not learning in that regard. So it's just one of those things to, to watch for. And and when the story of this year is told, that, that'll be one of the things like, oh, man, remember this guy was he was on a trajectory to be starting somewhere. He was either you're on track to be traded or be starting with the White Sox. And all of a sudden, poof, I think that's going to happen to a lot of players this year. So hopefully not the case for Zach Collins. Hopefully they can at least know what they have in him and maybe he's thrust into a spot we didn't think he would be in because of injury and you know hopefully he performs and proves that he's worthy of of sticking around long term but any other last roster thoughts before we move on to uh, projected win totals i i'm still gonna beat this drum i said it last episode yasiel puig with the restrictions on clubhouse and how long you can be in the clubhouse, that is his major knock, that people Salute. people don't like him. He's abrasive. He's uh, celebratory. He's the opposite of what Jose Abreu is. Jose's an all-business guy. Yasiel's more festive and fun guy, a guy that will go down on the ship and uh, with you because... Go down on the ship. Oh, sorry. Lucky go, ship. Yeah, go down on the ship with you. Sorry. <laughs> Did I say that right? All right, right? Go down with the ship. With the ship. There it is. Malaprops. <laughs> the ship. Yeah. Malaprops, friends. We got one. Yeah. But yeah, he, the day he got traded, he was all traded, and he didn't know about it, but he's still fighting Pittsburgh Pirates when he was a Cincinnati Red. And the platoon system with him and uh, Nomar Mazar would be perfect because the guy, Nomar Mazar, doesn't hit lefties. Yasiel Puig is improved in hitting lefties this year. That'll be a perfect shift. Uh, and also give the team a dynamic look where you're not giving them a, the same lineup every night. Uh, you can do some experimenting and uh, sh- signing Yasiel Puig to some minimal deal for him to just uh, get his wares out there, get his numbers up so he can be sign another deal. I think he'll be on his best behavior if you need him to be a clubhouse guy and he'll be trying to impress as much as he can. All right, so you can bet on the win totals. This from Caesars Palace, Caesars Entertainment. 2020 MLB win totals. Some of the uh, the bottom feeders here, you've got the Mariners, 24 wins. The Giants, 24.5 wins. Giants, one of those teams that were rumored to be uh, linked to Yasiel Puig early on in, the, uh, in spring training. 24 games there. Um, Tigers, 21.5 wins. Pirates 25. Uh, you'll be seeing you know a lot of Pirates this year. Brewers 30 and a half. Royals 25. 
jumping around here league to league. And then we have Cardinals 31 and a half, Reds 31 and a half, and Cubs 31 and a half. And coincidentally, White Sox also 31 and a half. So Caesars has Cubs and Sox basically right there, 31 and a half. They, they have them at the same win total. But basically what they're saying is, look, this is all. <laughs> everyone's, ba- everyone's basically a 500 team. Yeah. And if you have a little luck, a little variance go your way, a lucky bounce, then you too will be over 500. Congratulations. What do they have the Twins at? They're like five? Yeah, the Twins are 34 and a half. Garbage. Yeah. Under. So, all right. Pound, pound that under. Bums. I think the Reds are the class of the NL Central. I definitely think they are the class. Like 31 and a half. I, their pitching staff is the top pitching staff in that Central. And the additions of Mike Moose Moustakis and um, Castellanos pushed them over the top. They already got a bad year last year by Joey Votto. This year... I think he will not be the same guy he was last year. He'll revert to his natural form. Ricey Iglesias is a devastating closer. We are talking about Garrett earlier as a Amir Garrett who also faced the Pirates by himself and went to fight them, their whole team, by himself. I love his game. Lorenzen's a stud. Michael Lorenzen's either pitcher slash outfielder. He can grab a bat every once in a while. And not even talking about the best player and the best Pat Hughes name Hey, Eugenio Suarez. That's right. I misspoke earlier when I said the Mariners were among the bottom feeders. Actually, how could we forget about the Orioles? You uh, imagine if you're an Orioles fan uh, this year, and I and I really wish we were in the uh, the AL East, uh, only because we do our division breakdown with other guys in the division, other podcasts. I would love to talk to the Orioles podcast for no reason. Other like, just talk to him. How, guys, he, how are you guys doing? I think he actually uh, sent a message out to us when we weren't doing – Podcast. I think his name is Connor. Okay. Connor Newcomb. Is that the guy who's the Oreo but, guy? But yeah. Yeah, locked on Orioles. Connor Newcomb. Hello, Connor. <laughs> Hi, Connor. Imagine being an Orioles observer and you're 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 pounding that pounding that under for twenty and a half <laughs> and you know your season's already over. And you don't even get like the good part of seeing your prospects and draft picks sort of come up and watch them grow. You get to watch your draft picks grow over the course of a season, and and you have those little slivers of hope in the rebuilder. They're not even at that stage yet in the rebuild, and here they are sitting at twenty and a half wins, uh, according to Caesar's uh, Entertainment. Um, they had the depressing. Um, cancer diagnosis of Trey Mancini too. So right, a fan I favorite. I, I don't know how he's doing in that in his progression, but I know that he's trying his best to get back. Adley Rushman is he going to be on the roster? I think he should be on the sixty man roster. He's probably the best player in their system by far right now. So yeah, uh, we got to talk to our guy Connor Newcomb and uh, <laughs> no, cheer, we don't cheer him up, <laughs> no, cheer him don't. up a little bit. Like talk to us about uh, Ben McDonald or. Uh, you know, Ed, Ed Farmer scouted Ben McDonald. Did you know that, Connor? Yeah, we'll 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 we'll, we'll, we'll turn the tables on him. Yeah, I drove all the way up to Stanford. Yeah, uh, or right, LSU and uh, to Ben McDonald, and then uh, Mike Messina over there at Stanford. Yeah. Other notable, the highest win total uh, posted for any team: thirty-six and a half. The Yankees, uh, thirty-six and a half win total from Caesars Entertainment. No surprise there. Not only are they talented but they've got the chip on their shoulder. And that was one of the battles I was looking forward to watching most this year was was Yankees-Astros and see how that played out. The Yankees are very angry. And if you remember before when, when spring training was still in session, guys from the Yankees just unloading every day on the Astros and their cheating ass ways. It was one of my, it was one of the best things to watch in spring training before all this happened. But circling back to the White Sox, 31 and a half, 
feels right. Who knows? You know, <laughs> like I don't, I don't, I don't envision a situation where they go like, you know, 40 and 20, you know, I think 35 wins should win the division easily. I would think. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, I, I like that number 31 and a half. What are you doing? You, you pounding that over or going under? <sighs> I'm going to be a pessimist and do the thing where I hedge. So I would go <laughs> under. And under. if they do, somehow get more than 31 wins i'll be happy as hell and gladly lose whatever the 100 200 i'll put on the under but if they do underperform at least i get a couple dollars in my pocket for the white Sox uh, pad performance but yeah uh for the season you know me i'm positive about the white Sox as a whole this year would be a great year for them to experiment and to compete because of the youth the talent that we talked about this, the talent at the bat is ridiculous. And now they have pitching depth because of this late start. You get the Michael Kopech Rodon, maybe Dane Dunning, maybe Lambert availability to pitch on your, uh, on your staff. So it's one of those years where the White Sox on paper are probably the third most talented team in the AL Central right now. Still the Indians a little bit better, but 60 games, it's quick. Maybe a guy gets hurt on another team. Maybe a guy gets the coronavirus. I'm not wishing this, but this is what might happen, where it's a quick thing where these guys are just – and Chicago itself is doing well with coronavirus as far as keeping the the uh, positivity number down. The city itself is doing a good job, the state. So they have an advantage in that regard where they don't have a lot of cases in the city as opposed to the other cities that they're competing with. So Minnesota also doing a good job too. So I see a lot of positivity for the White Sox, but if I was to put my money on the table, I wouldn't be betting for the White Sox over 31 and a half. I'll be going the other way just to make yourself happy. You can lose that $200 if they overachieve. I would also agree with you. I'd go under as well. I think if they do hit the over, I think it'll be because they had an outstanding Rookie season from Luis Robert. That's a difference maker there with the bat. Finally solidifying center field. I think if, if they do have a good year, it'll be because of Luis Robert. It'll be, could be because Michael Kopech bounces back. It'll be because Carlos Rodon can finally stay on the field for an entire season, even though it's only 60 games. But he, he, he comes back strong from Tommy John surgery and puts it together. And you're like, oh, that's the Carlos Rodon that, that they drafted high in the MLB draft. And if you're wondering about the Zips projections uh, for the White Sox, Zips, of course, being the fan graphs projection system, uh, Zips has the White Sox at a 19.5% chance of winning, winning the division and a 36.2 chance of making the playoffs and a 3.4 chance of winning it all. Zips has the Twins winning the division, 35 and 25, followed by the Indians, 34 and 26. And the White Sox below them, 31 and 29. And the Indians thing, too, is one of the things that uh, a sneaky repercussion, ramification of this season was the Francisco Lindor thing. We never got a chance to see if the Indians would come out of the box strong, although it's still uh, still in play, I suppose, if they come out of the gate slow. What do they do with Francisco Lindor? That You'd have to think the Indians are one of the teams most affected financially by what's going on. Maybe they, they do unload Lindor, especially in a short season like this, because that we, we talked about it before, probably not going to pay him. So having the Indians come out with a slow start would be a big Ideal. break for the White Sox. And like we were talking before, you have more people available to bid for him. People like, oh, not only is a great talent Francisco Lindor available, I can have him for the next 30 days and a full year next year. 
So how many people, how many teams would put their best foot forward to try to get Francisco Lundor for a year of service? A lot. And if they're in the competition needed a shortstop or a player of Francisco Lindor's capability, they will pull out all the stops to get that type of player. I know the Padres would send whoever they need to send over there to get the guy that's going to be paired with Francisco uh, Tatis Jr. for years to come if they can sign an extension there. And, you know, which team would benefit most from a shortened season? Fernando. I said Francisco, didn't I? Tatis? Yeah, I think you did. We could fix it in post. Or I can just leave it and make you it sound stupid. It. It's, it's, uh, it's fine. <laughs> I, uh, uh, the Padre boy here, they call me, and I mess up his name. Who I'm calls so you pissed. Padre boy? Who yeah. calls you that? Everybody. Gonna, when I'm, I wear, when I'm I'm I wear gonna, my blue Padres hat. Uh, Friar Faithful. I'm going to whip, whip, whip their ass <laughs> calling you Padre boy. Um, you shouldn't be calling her boy anyway. Anything. Come on, man. I'm a grown man. <laughs> uh, if you're wondering, you know, which team – you know, people talk about, oh man, twenty twenty only sixty games. That's a tough break for the team for a team like the White Sox. You're wondering what team, according to fan graphs and the Zips projections, which teams benefit the most out of a shortened season? Well, it's actually the White Sox. Their playoff change, their percentage of making the playoffs changed eighteen point three percent. And their World Series odds changed 2.2%. So I don't understand how they figure that out. Maybe they have the same logic. I know they don't use logic. They use numbers mostly. But maybe part of that projection is good starts from guys who you need to have good starts from. You know, Moncada like has an MVP caliber season like the whole way through. Like he finally is like, okay, from day one, start to finish, that's an MVP performance. And then you have Luis Robert, Rookie of the Year performance. And then you have... Uh, someone like Ronaldo Lopez stepping up and and Eloy, yeah, Eloy. So we talked about it earlier. Oh, I, remember, it. remember when we used to pontificate on whether or not Eloy Jimenez would break the White Sox single season home run record of forty nine by Albert Bell in nineteen ninety eight. Remember we said, oh, Eloy's got a chance to hit fifty this year. I put it down <laughs> on the what's it, the Sox machine slash one hundred eight Sox machine uh, meetup we had. I said he was going to hit fifty this year. Hell, he still might hit fifty in sixty games, but. <laughs> That man is uh, – he hit 31 home runs with struggling like the first two months and was on the DH, DH, DL twice, <laughs> or now they call it IL, twice yeah. last year. And he still hit 31 home runs in his rookie year. I mean, amazing. Well, it is Eloy after all. He is. We'll, we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. I love that take by you. Still, 50 is not off the table. I love it. I love it. He, if, Especially playing the Cubs more. If he would have been projected <laughs> – like, if you would have played all those games, his numbers project to hitting 44 home runs last year. In his rookie year, if he would have played a full year, I'm saying that's not so far-fetched that the man's going to break the White Sox record time and time again, I think. So there you have it, the Zips projections, how Vegas and how Fangraph sees the season shaking out for the White Sox. You have the roster, and we'll get more names added to that as we continue on here as we approach Opening day in Major League Baseball. I can't believe we're even saying it, but uh, let's end on a, on a lighthearted note here. Who is most likely to be hurt by a baseball? Okay, you can actually bet on this. The first Astro to get beaned this year. Uh, the odds going from uh, worst odds to to, uh, to best odds here. Um, well, best odds. I know. Who I'm pl- plus three thousand for for Josh Reddick. I can't see that happening. He's one no of the more, more beloved guys, uh, I think, on that team and, and baseball. Um, no one cares about putting him on. 
No, I don't think so. But remember, he supposedly like, oh, he he had like the, the the tape on his chest, but it turned out to be confetti. No one really knows actually, but he was like one of the first images that we saw even before Altuve and ripping off the jersey or don't rip off the jerseys sort of thing. He was the first person out there like, hey, look, there it is. There's the there's the buzzy <laughs> buzzer thing, majigger. Yeah, <laughs> and he looks like our guy Adam Sosinski. So oh yeah, uh, I like him. I like so him. He's a he's a good guy. Uh, Jordan Alvarez plus eighteen hundred. I I. Don't see that happening unless it's on accident. And he wasn't even on the team. Exactly. Um, Michael Brantley, longtime asshole in Major League Baseball. Uh, Love (laughs) Michael Brantley. He reminds me, weirdly enough, of Grady Sizemore. Both Indians, both had excellent early careers, both got hurt. But unlike Grady Sizemore, Michael Brantley has gone on to have a nice continuation of his career after he left Cleveland. So I'm a fan of Michael Brantley. He's He's a consummate professional. He's hitting like when he goes up versus the White Sox, he's going to hit an opposite field double always. Here's a sneaky play here uh, with some with some decent odds. Plus 700, uh, first to get beamed uh, on the Astros. Yuri Gurriel, um, he's yeah, that he's kind of a bad guy. He's a, he's a dick. <laughs> he is. I mean, he's, he's a real he Richard. Got that. Got that racistness <laughs> with uh, my man uh, Yu Darvish and. You know, acting like he's all good. I think that man is is up there. I would he would be on my list. He's got he's got Latin jerk face. Oh, he's such a dick. <laughs> um, plus four fifty. That hair is t- terrible. Uh, George Springer plus four fifty. Never, never. Especially never. with his pending free agency oh, coming may- up, I I would think teams would would be best advised to just eh, let's keep things cool with George Springer here. And the man is a a professional. Yeah, maybe he was part of the cheating of the Astros, but. I never felt that George Springer is a dick. I never felt that George Springer is uh, a guy that deserves a, a baseball on his back. And I'm not that guy who advocates beanballs in the first place. But George Springer, like you said, I want him to be a White Sox next year. So I do if, if he would be our consolation prize for missing out on Mookie Betts, I'll be elated, elated. And here we go. This is kind of baffling to me. Here are the final three in terms of Astros odds to get Bean. Plus 400. This is a, a surprise to me. It's a real shocker. Jose Altuve at plus 400. Wow. Not I even mean, not even like the, the most likely according to uh, this site here. Plus 400. I would think he's going to be the first. I wouldn't think so. I mean, he's up in the order. He's either batting first or second for the Astros. So the odds there would be favorable if the first – game versus i don't know the texas rangers happens and they just want to throw a ball at them yeah that would make sense but there's a couple more uh very unlikable guys ahead of them i'm thinking about <laughs> this, one in this next this next guy here really really made a name for himself made a case for himself to be really unlikable the way he came out and caped for jose altuve talking about you know he had a bad tattoo and he seemed if this whole thing about the jersey thing and and the signaling, uh, the mechanical signaling in the jersey, that that was a real thing. This was certainly, it certainly felt forced at the time, but Carlos Correa, plus 400, I really found him to be quite hateable when he was talking about uh, defending Jose Altuve. And it came on the heels of a sincere apology when most of the Astros were giving these garbage uh, apologies, including our own Dallas Keuchel. We're giving these, oh, sorry, you guys caught us type of apologies bullshit. He gave a sincere apology like the day of, and then the next couple days he's talking about and he's caping for Tuve. So, yeah, it was very disappointing to hear that from Carlos Correa. But I know the guy that everybody, I mean, 
jerk face personified. And that would, of course, be Alex Bregman, who I instantly didn't like him after his little encounter he had with Trevor Bauer. Do you remember this? Alex Bregman bobblehead night or something like that. So Trevor Bauer, back when he was still with the Indians, Mm -hmm. he has that little Twitter video where he goes, do I still own you, little buddy? And he's got the Alex Bregman bobblehead bobbing up and down. Oh, yeah, to the, to the yellow song. <laughs> and it was hilarious. What's up, little buddy? Did I dominate you last night? He's shaking his head yes. And then Alex Bregman couldn't even take a, a, a very clever, well-produced joke on Twitter. He, he took that very seriously. And ever since that point uh, on, I was not a huge fan of Alex Bregman. If he calls that dominating, I'm very happy for him. You guys are you guys are somewhat, That's good. You guys are somewhat friends, though, right? I mean, you guys... No, no we're not friends. But, I, I, but he was also, during the Astros like fan media convention, he was like very much on the muscle uh you know about all this stuff and he was right there out in the forefront in media day and spring training you know mm-hmm. sort of you know just not really no time for apologizing for any of this stuff that the astros uh, allegedly did so yeah alex bregman the uh top choice by by this betting site to be the first to get beaned in an astros uniform so not favorable odds there uh by by bregman I, i'm gonna go i think with uh I think I'm gonna go with Josh Reddick just because I'm an I'm an odds guy. Give me the best odds available, and and because you know we'll, we'll see. He's a, he's he's a non base guy. He'll find a way. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't like putting on guys that I could get out myself. So Especially Alex Bregman, in, in I'll the short put on, season. Yeah. yeah, I'll put him on because you know he might hit a home run. He's very talented, very uber talented. So yeah, so I think I'm gonna go with. My gut instinct is is Yuri Gurriel, uh, plus seven hundred, the first to get Bean, just because he's a very very unlikable, especially in today's uh, social climate. Uh, the you know the racism thing and the whole the gesture he made towards you, Darvish. I, I just wish that they could play the Cubs, possibly, but not the case this year. And how about this? We can finally clear off. Uh, my Google Doc rundown. We finally got into all the things that we were supposed to get to over the past few episodes. So that's that's all we got. And Mailbag Mondays coming up. So make sure you hit us up with an email, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. We're always accepting uh, emails for the mailbag, or you can hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnSocks. But LockedOnSocks at gmail.com is by far the best way to interact with us over the course of the week, and, and we'll get to pretty much uh, any email that you send we'll find time for because we value you guys. And, and since we came back, you guys have come out strong in support of the podcast. You guys are really, really checking us out, and we're very proud of that. And we couldn't do it without you guys obviously subscribing. If you have a White Sox friend in your life, family, uh, tell them about Locked on White Sox. And if you got a smart speaker, tell your smart speaker to play Locked on MLB. That's right. The Locked On Podcast Network has a great MLB show. They'll be talking about all this stuff that we've been mentioning with the Astros and, and much more as we ramp up towards opening day, the Locked On MLB podcast. So that's all I got. Let's clear this Google Doc out, Herbie. And in, like Tanny said, LockedOnSox at gmail.com. Any question you want to ask us, we don't have to answer it, but just ask us the questions. It doesn't have to be about the White Sox. It doesn't have to be about baseball. Just send your question into LockedOnSox at gmail.com. That's where you can follow us also. It's at LockedOnSox on Twitter and on Instagram. My Twitter handle is at Ecknerwall23, E-C-N-E-R-W-A-L-2-3. That's Lawrence spelled backwards with a 2-3. And his is Chris 
Tannehill on Twitter and on Instagram. So that'll do it for episode number 43. Not the Damaso Mate episode. It's the Gary Peters episode of Locked On Socks. <laughs>